Welcome to the Change Something Podcast, where we recognize that we all have 168 hours in one week. How will you leverage it? How will you use it not only for your own good, but for the good of your city? On this podcast, we'll speak with psychologists, chiropractors, teachers, truckers, first responders, writers, and all sorts of professionals every month for 15 minutes or less to provide tools and tips to not only better your life, but to help you participate in the good of your city. My name is John Ju, and I'm glad that you are joining us. Today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Gretchen Knowlton, and she serves as one of the tens of thousands of foster parents in the United States. Hey, Gretchen, happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Absolutely. Before we dive into how you would encourage our listeners and before you provide a tip, can you just briefly share with us your journey into foster care? How did you decide to be involved? Well, um, it started a long time ago, about 25 years ago. I took a job right out of college as a foster care caseworker. Mm. And I did that for about five years, and it made a huge impression on me. You know, the families I worked with, the kids, yeah. the sad stories, the happy ones. And it really solidified in my mind that I wanted to do something to make a difference in that broken system. And I knew that someday I wanted to be a foster parent. I know that you're in the process of adopting one of your foster kids, which is amazing. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about this child? Um, my husband and I had two biological children. Um, we had an 11-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy at the time. They both had some special needs, so it had taken us a while till we felt like we were stable and ready to um, get a foster parent license. Sure. And we thought we'd, you know, take in a child and give it a try and, you know, just provide a temporary home until they could return home or find a permanent home. And then one day we got a call from our caseworker that there was an infant baby boy in the hospital who needed a home immediately. Like wow. he needed to be picked up in an hour. And wow. we had ten, really immediately, <laughs> really immediately. We had 10 minutes to decide. Is that, is that normal? I'm not even sure. I think it happens. Yeah. And, you know, because we hadn't planned on getting an infant, we didn't have anything. We didn't have a crib. We didn't have a car seat. But, you know, I wasn't doing anything that day. And I was like, you know, <laughs> sure. for a couple of weeks, I could do this. No big deal. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, you know, we said yes. And we went and picked him up from the hospital. And he is still with us today. He just turned wow. three years old this week. And we have an adoption court date coming up next month. Um, my big kids just amazing. love him. We love him. And we can't imagine our family without him. Wow. So it went from trying to make a split minute decision, literally 10 minutes to three years later, and now you're on the journey of adopting him. Exactly. Exactly. That's that how is foster so care cool. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you just said we were not doing anything else that day. And you just said, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> Well, it's almost like, you know, the story that stork drops a baby off on your doorstep. What are you going to say? How do you say no? I guess so. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, in 2016, there were over 437,000 kids in the foster care, and 45% of foster kids live in non-relative foster family homes, while over 118,000 kids were waiting to be adopted just here in America. I mean, how have you personally seen the primary goal of foster care? which is reunification happen? 
Well, um, when I was a foster care caseworker, I did see reunification happen. And it yeah. is it is a beautiful thing. And I've seen parents mm. work so hard to overcome, you know, lifelong addictions and poor choices in order to get their kids back. And it's often a long and winding road with bumps along the way. You know, it doesn't just happen um, seamlessly, but hey, that's life, right? And, right. um, you know, we had tried to work on reunification with our little guy um, when he first came into the system and birth parents were trying to get their lives together and we were doing um, visits and I really tried to make an effort, you know, to keep him connected with them and take lots of photos and, mm. you know, unfortunately that didn't work out. And a lot of times it doesn't work out, you know, by the time a case comes to the point of removing children and placing them in foster care, the problems are so huge and so entrenched. Sure. It's difficult for, for families to overcome those challenges. Yeah. So for people who might not know, really the difference between the foster care system and traditional adoption, quote unquote, is that foster care wants to reunite families with their kids. That's right. That The goal is always reunification initially. And, you know, research shows that that is the best thing for any child is to be with their biological family, if at all possible. And it's only when that is not a safe place that you start to look at other options. Yeah, I bet those moments when those kids do return with their biological parents, it, it's a really sweet moment. It really is. And it's, like I said, the result of a long, hard effort on the part of the birth parents. I can imagine that as a foster parent, you begin to build a bond with this child. And it's it's a sweet moment to be able to say, hey, wow, you're going to be reunited with your biological parents. But it's also very hard. Oh, of course. Oh, my goodness. It is very, very hard. I mean, I haven't gone through that personally, but I've walked alongside other foster parents who have. And even for yeah. myself, when this little guy was in our house for a few days, I was attached to him. After a few weeks, I couldn't imagine. And when they called to say, oh, he's having a visit with his biological mom, even though my goal was for him to go back to her, it still mm. made my heart sink. And I thought, oh, my God goodness, how am I going to do this? <laughs> Absolutely. He really became a part of your family, even in those few days or few weeks. Exactly. Yes. So what's a word of maybe advice or tip that you'd provide to maybe some parents who want to be a part of this foster parenting journey, but they just don't know how they would personally navigate being able to attach to a child and then give them back to their biological parents? Yes, I guess I would say it is really about the kid and not about yeah. us. I mean, if it was up to me, as soon as a child is placed in my arms, I want to keep that child. <laughs> now, sure. And I think that's our natural tendency. If you're a good foster right. parent, you have to lean into it. You have to love them all the way because that is what they need. You can't hold back any part of yourself mm. from a child who is living in your home. They need you to love all the way and they need you to try to get them back with their biological family. And if you can do that for them, wow, you are saving their life. That is such a helpful reframe, I think, for me and even for a lot of listeners who are interested in this journey to say, hey, at the end of the day, it really is about the kids. Right. And if we as adults are willing to step into that, and walk in that pain, but because we know the end goal is for the kid's health and ultimately the reunification of the family, then are we willing to make that sacrifice? 
Exactly, exactly. I like the way you put that because so often, you know, people know that we're foster parents and they come up to us and they say something really well-meaning like, oh my gosh, you're so wonderful. I can't believe you can do this. I could never do that because I could never give Mm. them up again. And it's like, yeah, I I think you could if you knew that that's what they needed you to do because you love them. So good. Yeah. Especially as you even mentioned earlier, research continues to show that the best, right, is Mm -hmm. when those kids are able to return to their biological parents. Right. Right. Whenever possible. That's That's really the best thing. Mm. Well, thank you so much for stepping into that in foster care and now adopting a child. Just thank you for being a model and an example for so many of us. So for many states, when a youth in foster care reaches their 18th birthday, they can be cut loose from the system. But several courts have seen vast benefits that can arise from extending the age limit to 21 and have implemented it in the advantage of foster youth. How have you seen that or can you unpack that statement for us a little bit? You know, John, I'm so happy that you brought this up because, you know, I think any parent of teenagers will tell you that their kids are not really ready to launch (laughs) completely into the adult world and be financially and emotionally independent at the age of 18, right? Oh, man. Yeah, (laughs) totally. In fact, the age of independence for American youth is increasing all the time. I I just read somewhere that only about 24%, 24% of young adults are financially independent by age 22. So it's really unfair for us to expect that foster children who have been through some incredibly tough challenges in their young lives should be completely independent at 18. I mean, they really need more support and something to fall back on as they continue to grow up. And I think supporting foster kids through age 21 is the least that we can do um, to help to repair some of the damage and the hardship they've had. Is it trending towards that direction, though? I think so. That the majority of states? I I think there's definitely a push for it. I don't know how many states have gotten on board with that, but advocates are really pushing hard for that. What do you feel like is the biggest maybe systemic issue in the foster care system that needs reimagining or reinventing? There's sort of this constant tug also between two conflicting goals in foster care. There's this goal of reunification, and then there's the need for permanence for children. And statistics Mm. show that the older children get and the longer they're in foster care, the less likely it is for them to be adopted if that becomes necessary. So there was a groundbreaking piece of legislation um, in 1997 called the Adoption and Safe Families Act. And that puts a limit on the amount of time that parents have to meet their reunification requirements. And it, it requires that cases move towards termination of parental rights once a child is in care for 15 out of, I believe it's the most recent, 22 months. And after that law went into effect, there was actually a slight decline in reunification with biological parents, which is unfortunate. But then there was also Mm. an increase in adoptions, which is a good thing. And overall, kids now tend to be legally free at a younger age. And so a greater proportion of children who might have otherwise experienced an extended stay in the foster care system are more likely to be adopted. So, you know, like I said, there's kind of this tug in two directions with reunification and adoption. There seems to be some confusion in our culture about foster parenting and receiving extra money from the government. And I do think it's absolutely critical at this point to just simply say, if you're thinking about fostering children for extra money, then you're 
in it for the wrong reason. But when I did some research, it looked like the monthly non-taxable subsidy foster parents receive to care for a child, which includes but is not limited to food, clothes, transportation, personal expenses. I mean, the lowest I saw was $10 a day to $118 a day for those with special needs. And the average was right around $450 to $550 a month across all states. What would you like to clarify about non-taxable subsidy that foster parents receive to care for their child? Yeah, well, you're definitely not going to get rich on doing foster care. <laughs> you <laughs> sure. know, the cost, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a good career choice, but <laughs> the you know, the cost of raising a child is supposed to be about a little over $1,000 a month. So that 450 to 550 a month doesn't yeah. go real far, but you know, it's a nice little extra that can be used on diapers and formula or clothes and school fees. Um, and the alternative to a foster home is a group home, which along with being a much less desirable option actually costs seven to 10 times more than placing a child with a family. So foster parents are really providing states with a cost-saving voluntary service. Um, How long does it typically take for somebody to get a foster care license? Um, It's not really too bad these days. You have to go through a series of classes and you have to do a lot of paperwork and then get a home study done. So if you're somebody who's really good at getting paperwork done and following through (laughs) and getting your classes out of the way, I think you can do it in like six to nine months. If you're kind of slow at it like I am and I get buried in the paperwork, it can take you like a year, year and a half. So some of it is up to the individual. Yeah, if you have the gift of paperwork, (laughs) that will be on your side. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in light of the fact that there are around 23,000 kids who age out of foster care every year, I mean, what is one last word of encouragement or one way we can support and advocate on the behalf of all the moms and dads who are parenting kids in our foster care system? Well, I think one of the most important things for people to consider is actually becoming a licensed foster adoptive parent. Um, the Dave Thomas Foundation did a study and found that if everyone who ever considered taking in a foster child actually did, there would be no more kids waiting for homes in the United States. It's an amazing fact, yeah. And we also need to dispel some of the myths about foster care, I think, like this notion that I hear all the time that children in foster care have too much baggage. Um, Mm. Children in foster care are too hard. And the fact is children in foster care are just like all children. They have enormous potential to thrive given love and patience in a stable environment. So I'd encourage your listeners to, if they've ever thought about becoming a foster parent, to step up, do some research and find out what they would need to do to get a license and just go for it and give it a try. That's so great. Well, Gretchen Knowlton, thank you so much for not only your time, but being involved in your community and actually changing something for the good. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Absolutely. Can you imagine a world where we no longer need a foster care system? Or can you imagine a world where we no longer have the problem that you want to change because we actually did something about it? I wonder what would change if we actually leverage our resources for the good of our communities. Let's be the good. Let's go change something.